This week on Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. Hot Sherry! <laughs> Hello and welcome to Buff the Gilmore Slayer. I'm Brian Morris. I'm Stacey Kulo. And we're comedians. And a couple. And I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Which is a show that I love. But I've never seen Gilmore Girls, one of Stacey's favorite shows. So we're watching both shows together, all seven seasons, comparing them as we go. And this week we watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 2, Episode 14, Innocence. As well as Gilmore Girls Season 2, Episode 14, It Should Have Been Lorelei. These are both good episodes. Yeah, they were. I didn't really remember the Gilmore Girls one, but it, it was good. We've been watching other shows that were good as well. We really got into Sweet Home. Yeah, it's this like Korean show on Netflix, sort of post-apocalyptic. Yeah, there's monsters and people fending them off. It's sort of like zombies, but monsters. They really could have used a Buffy on that show. Yeah, and a a Rory, like a smart person. Yeah, and uh, Tristan. Why Tristan? Bait. That makes sense. They had some fun monster design. Yeah, the very end of the first episode, there's some very terrible CGI. Don't let that throw you. Ignore that CGI. Pretend it didn't happen. It gets better. We also just watched the movie Save Yourselves. That one's on Hulu. We liked that a lot. Yeah, it's about this couple that's basically us. Mm-hmm. Their their lives are just kind of, what are we doing, basically? Or they just feel like they're not really contributing to society in a meaningful way. They clearly don't have a podcast. Right. But they decide to unplug and get away for the week. But some stuff goes down in the world while they're unplugged. Yeah. I wouldn't call it a horror movie. Yeah, I mean... You're right. I mean, it's got horror elements. It's like barely scary. It is science fiction, but I mean, the focus is really on the couple. Yeah. It's not a rom-com either. It, it's like a, a science fiction thing is happening, but it's very focused on a relationship. Yeah. But it's funny. It is also a little violent. It's not like over-the-top violent, but just there is a little bit in there. So You don't watch it with your kids. Yeah. I mean, to enjoy this movie, you should be in your 30s and, and not have kids because that's the target demo for this movie. It really is. I'm sure other people will also love it as well. The thing I like about that movie a lot is the creature design in it. It's just like very different. And not just the initial time you see the creature. Like if you listen to the directors talk about it, you're like, oh, that's that's actually really interesting. Yeah. Save yourselves on Hulu. We're saying that like they, can you promote us? Save yourselves? Can you support our podcast? (laughs) Yeah. We we shouted you out. Yeah. Shout us out in your next movie, please. And just halfway through the movie, just talk about Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. Let's dive into today's episodes because they were great and there's a lot to talk about. Sure. So this week we started with Buffy, the episode Innocence. Stacy, tell us about Innocence. So this episode picks up where the other one left off. Basically, Angel's soul is gone. And he's uncursed. He's he's a bad, bad vampire now. And he's very mean to Buffy. And Buffy's not happy about that. That is a perfect synopsis of this episode. <laughs> Thank you. And like, Buff's real bummed about it. <laughs> also wigged. Everyone's wigged. Again, both episodes. Using that word. Okay, so we open on Spike's house. He's all worried because Angel and Buffy know where they are now. And the judge is there. He's kind of just kneeling in the corner. Spike's like, what the fuck are you doing? He's like, I'm preparing. Okay, sure you are, buddy. Seems like you're just sitting there. And Spike agrees with me. I like Spike. (laughs) 
this guy just seems not very threatening at all so far. I know he burned a guy, but like, we didn't care about that guy. And then Drew like very dramatically collapses to the ground. She's having some kind of vision. And I think her vision is now what we see happening to Angel, who has come outside after the sex with Buffy. He's gotten dressed. And then this random woman who's smoking a cigarette walks by and asks him if he's okay. He's like, no, the pain is gone. I feel just fine. And he bites her. Angel doesn't bite people. He also doesn't smoke, but here he is. That was cool. Because she was smoking, he like blows her cigarette smoke out because he bit her neck. Yeah, that was cool. That was cool. Also unimportant, but the door behind her definitely looks like a set door they didn't finish. Also, it's not cool to smoke. I just want to make sure that's clear too. Buffy wakes up, doesn't know where Angel is. She goes home. Joyce is like, hey, where have you been? And Buffy's like trying to pretend she didn't just come home from being out all night. And Joyce is like, you just look like you got fucked. She doesn't <laughs> She doesn't say that, but she's like trying to figure out what's different about Buffy. Yeah. But she of course doesn't really know anything about her daughter, so she doesn't know what happened. At the library, the gang's very worried about Buffy. Where's she been? Buffy shows up and tells them that the judge is back. But she doesn't know where Angel is. She has, like, a private conversation with Willow that she's, like, worried about this. And Jenny Calendar's, like, creeping on this convo. I have a interjection here, an interlude. You have an interlude? Okay, so vampires can have sex. That's clear, right? Oh, yeah. But, I mean, they probably don't come. Um, what are you basing this on? I mean, why would they make cum? Um... They're not eating stuff that would make them come. Can you do it without projectile? I don't know how to say this in a nice way. Well, I mean, I already said cum three times, so... Can you cum without cum? I'm afraid I just summoned, like, the Beetlejuice of cum, which is gonna look a lot like Beetlejuice, What's I'm up, sure. Brian's mom? Um... <laughs> I'm just saying that, I th- yeah, I think they can still, like, have the orgasm sensation. Doesn't Branya do that? Yeah, we have a friend, shout out, Michael Branya. He'll, don't worry, we're not, he would tell you very quickly after meeting you about this. We'll have him on, he'll talk about it. Uh, so I think that they they can, like, ejaculate without the ejaculate. Okay, maybe it's in one of Giles' books. Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't tackle this, but um, it's going to be a big surprise for Buffy if she's ever with a regular guy. I mean, it definitely seems like they're sexual beings, so I doubt they're doing it if it's not pleasurable. Right, 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 right. I'm sure that it is, but it just doesn't make sense to me that they would make cum. Can they eat and drink food? Do they poop? They don't eat and drink food. They but don't they poop. poop? They don't poop. Okay. Well, sounds kind of boring. I like eating and drinking. Well, I mean, they, they drink blood, so you can still do that. Ew. Back at Spike's house. Spike's house, by the way. It's not a factory. <laughs> you didn't hear me call it that the first time? Oh, I did. Back at Spike's house. That's a spinoff show. You guys know Spike's house, right? It's a children's vampire show. Back at Spike's house. Drusilla is recovering from her vision, I guess. She's a lot. She's a lot. She's like, I'm naming the stars. And Spike's like, what the fuck are you talking about? We're inside. She's like, well, I named them all the same name. I'm crazy. Angel shows up acting all cocky, and Spike and Drusilla are like, "Uh, uh, uh-uh-uh, the judge is going to get you. And then the judge tries to get him, but he's like, no, this one can't be burned. There's no humanity in him. And then Angel's like, I'm back, baby. Those were just spot-on voices for all of them. I think that's exactly how the judge sounded. That's exactly how Angel sounded. I mean, Drew was pretty good. Drew Drew actually was, I guess, you did it great, Drew. I... uh, like evil angel. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, regular angel is just so like, oh, Buffy, I just, I love you so much. And like, it's just so hard to have a soul. And like the night, you know, it's always night. Oh, Buffy. (laughs) 
It's a solid angel. Solid angel impression. He didn't get to sh- do any acting. It was just always the same, like, mopey mood. And not him, like, being evil in this episode was very fun. Mm-hmm. I was like, whoa, the boy can act. No wonder he's in Bones and Seal. Seal Team? No, he's in a Seal music video. Mm-hmm. <laughs> These three are, like, pumped to be friends again. I think him and Spike, like, don't crazy get along, but him and Drew have, like, a weird sexual energy that Spike doesn't seem to mind too much. Are they going to have a threesome? Like, Angel kisses Spike on the forehead? It's very, like, what's happening here? Yeah. And they're like, hey, you want to destroy the world with us? And again, why? Why are we going to destroy the world? That seems bad for everyone, including the vampires. I agree. I I just don't. I don't know what the end game is there. And Angel's like, sure, yeah, that sounds like fine, I guess. But can I just fuck with Buffy for one night? Like, torture her? Because he's like super mad at her for making him feel human, I guess. Or that's what he's saying. I have suspicions something else is going on here, but we'll see. Like what? I mean, I do feel like deep down he still can remember the Buffy love. And this is some kind of con. Had the judge not literally told them, like, oh, you're not human, I would have suspected even harder that this is all some kind of con to help Mm -hmm. Buffy get Spike. But, like, since we have that confirmed, unless the judge is lying, it makes me think that, yeah, his curse did get lifted. But I, I don't know. It seems like something's not quite what we think. Buffy calls the library. Willow's like, oh, man, Buffy's extra wigged. She beat up Willie the bartender twice. Good. Poor dude. No. No wonder he betrays you if you just show up beating him up for no reason every day. Yeah, but he sucks. I'm Team Willie. You're Team Willie? I'm not, no. <laughs> Xander and Cordelia are, like, really fighty this episode, but, like, maybe falling in love? They're having a fight in the stacks, and it turns to a passionate kiss, as always. But this time, Willow sees it. Ugh. I audibly reacted. Xander and Willow take this to the hallway. This is like the realest Allison Hannigan has ever acted in this show. I've seen her get like truly emotional in How I Met Your Mother, but I feel like generally she's like kind of a cartoon of like a shy, quiet girl. But she like really, I felt bad for her here. Xander tries to tell her that like this doesn't mean anything, you know, Cordelia and I like aren't in love. And Willow's like, yeah, but this just proves you'd rather be with someone you hate than with me. Oh. Brian, are your heartstrings not yanked upon? Oh, come on. Are you kidding? This is the most emotional Buffy's been. This scene was great. It was very emotional. I liked it. Buffy goes to Angel's house. Angel's there, and he's just super mean to her. He's like, of course I left after whatever that was. This isn't my first rodeo, Burge. Am I wrong? (laughs) He's calling her a verge. I mean, he implies that, like, (laughs) it was cute that she tried on her first time, but he's done this a bunch. Yeah. Buffy's, like, crying. Oh, I think they saved the whole season's acting budget for this episode. Yeah, I know. Like, I believed everyone. They all let go. Then we're in Jenny Callender's creepy uncle's hotel room. This guy's just Borat, right? I mean, this is just like an angrier Borat. I don't know what his deal is. He does explain in this episode that their people's like whole deal is vengeance. So I guess that makes sense. Because in the last episode, we're like, what? why are you holding this grudge for like mm-hmm. centuries? I kind of don't buy the vengeance thing, personally. It doesn't seem like Jenny's whole deal is vengeance. So like, maybe that's just your deal, uncle. If their whole deal is vengeance, do they just wait to be slighted so they can do their vengeance? thing like before angel where they just like oh man i hope someone does something to us because we're gonna avenge him yeah this guy needs a new tie too by the way yeah it's Looks like a bunch of strings well he won't need it much longer i don't really get what's happening in this scene like he seems just pretty cavalier about the fact that angels turned back into angelus but that's like bad for them he destroyed their people yeah it's bad for them on like a bunch of levels right like 
the whole vengeance thing you're talking about is ruined now because he's not feeling pain anymore. So you should be upset that you failed. Yeah. Also, you should be worried that Angel's going to come kill you and everybody in your people. Yeah, you cursed him. But also the judge is back. Yeah. Is he not worried about the judge? Like, the judge is going to maybe destroy the world, dude. He seems very not worried about anything except Jenny remembering that their people's main thing is vengeance. Willow's had some time to cool off. She went home and came back to school. They're, like, spending the night there, I guess. And she's like, hey, Xander, I've had some time to think. We're, like, not okay, but we just need to, like, figure this judge shit out right now and work together. Then Xander has, like, an aha moment. He's like, oh, I think I had a thought. Oh, I think I had a vision. And then the lights flash, and he's like, oh, I think I had a Wiggins. But when the lights flash, Angel appears. He tells Xander to go away, and he's like, okay. And he convinces Willow to, like, come closer. But, of course, Angel's bad now, and he's put his vampire teeth in, and he attacks Willow. Doesn't kill her yet. He grabs her by the neck. And just then, Jenny Callender comes in with a cross. Xander runs back in. Yeah, it's kind of fortunate that Xander never really trusted Angel, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Also, the vampire teeth thing, totally. Just the way he's talking. I feel like if you're around somebody and you can't tell if they're a vampire and they sound like they got shit in their mouth, they're probably vampires. Yeah. Hey, Willow, you're just wanting to be you want to come a little closer to me. Like, okay, you're a vampire. Yeah, we couldn't see him, but I could tell. Buffy shows up and he's like, oh, hey, I was just about to, like, kill all your friends and mess with you. He says this, like, in a meaner voice, though. I'm going to kill Willow and then I'm going to come to your house. He's like a wrestler, except uh, this is also <laughs> not the voice he uses. And I'm going to come down to where you live, Buffy. Right before he snaps Willow's neck, Xander grabs the cross from Jenny Calendar, who's doing nothing. She's just standing there and he... She was sent to watch Angel. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she's watching. He runs over to Angel and, like, puts a cross in his face and he can't stand it, so he drops Willow. Right before he leaves, he grabs Buffy and he's like, things are about to get very interesting. And then he kisses her on the mouth and throws her to the ground. Is kissing people like his move? He kissed Spike. I guess. And then later he says if he sees Buffy, he's going to give her a kiss. Kissing is evil, guys. At least in this episode. It seemed very fun in previous episodes. Mm, true. Buffy's got so much to deal with. Like, she just lost her virginity. And then her boyfriend literally turned into a monster. And not only was he very mean to her after losing her virginity, but now he's just, like, gone. Yeah. And, like, also wants to kill her. I don't know how you deal with that. That is, like, a lot to deal with, especially if you've got, like, midterms coming up. Willow's like, Jenny, how did you know? No. And she's like, uh, but uh, I don't know. I could hear his teeth. <laughs> I could hear his teeth. And Giles is like, Buffy, what? What What? what caused this? Tell us everything. Did you touch his dick? <laughs> Buffy? <laughs> yeah. There's only one way that you could possibly know. Was it? And Willow's like, shut the fuck up, Giles. Because Willow, I think, can tell that this is how Giles is like clueless. Giles has had sex once. This is a very explicit podcast episode, guys. Sorry, but it's an explicit episode of Buffy. I mean, sex was introduced. We have to talk about it. Yeah. But yeah, Giles is like, but what could it have been? Back at Spike's house, <laughs> Angel shows up and he's like, you didn't kill her? And Drew's like, oh, you want to torture her like you tortured me, you freak. God, I just can't wait for that scene where Buffy starts listing all the food that her mom used to make. <laughs> Angel tells Spike that he just, like, sucks at killing Buffy. Like, you can't kill her with force. You have to get her to love you. He's so right about Spike, though. (laughs) Spike just gets his ass handed to him time and time again. So many times. I still like Spike. I'm excited to see where Spike goes. I feel like he might try Angel's love tactic. We'll see. But yeah, Spike isn't so scary. When he showed up, he seemed, like, very badass. Killing that little uh, master apprentice. What was his name? Mini-Me. No, he had a name. The Anointed One. Yeah. Spike was such a badass when he just like put a boy in the sun (laughs) what a weird sentence but yeah yeah he just doesn't seem no one is scary none of the villains in the show have been that scary yet 
thought Spike was going to be it. So far, Angel's winning. Buffy's home crying. And don't blame her. She's having a rough evening. Yeah. Yeah, I don't blame her at all. It's been, yeah. And then we see this weird, like, close-up flashback montage of the sex. And then she has, like, a daydream. And by daydream, I mean it's a, it takes place during the day when Angel's outside. He's very pale. They're, like, at a funeral, and Jenny is there. And Angel's like, you have to know what to see. Which I guess means Jenny. I don't really know the significance of everything in this dream, but she takes it as a sign that she's got to go beat the shit out of Jenny. <laughs> This was cool. She's like pissed. There's like intense music playing and she's walking down the hallway. She just walks right into computer class and like chokes Jenny. Giles is there for some reason. Yeah, I mean, maybe he was just there to talk to Jenny. It is a little weird that he was there. Yeah, but. Because it was like during class. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she grabs Jenny by the neck, just throws her over the desk. Giles is like, you can't do this. And he's like, "Uh, students, uh, class is dismissed. No worries that your teacher's getting the shit kicked out of her. And then he's like, Buffy, you can't do this. You can't just accuse people of stuff. Then Jenny Callender's like, ah, here's everything. That she's like working for her people and that she was sent to watch Buffy and Angel, make sure Angel stays sad. Giles is again like, I don't understand. Like, what could possibly have made Angel turn? But what makes people very happy? And Buffy's non-answer is his answer. He's like, oh, damn. Buffy is just, like, so great at sex, apparently. I mean, sex is very intimate, and they they seem to be very in love. Mm-hmm. But it just needed to be, like, a moment of, like, just pure happiness to right. break Angel's curse. Yeah. That didn't need to be sex, but it was. Yeah, I mean, I agree that I don't think it does have to be sex. But I think sex is, like, a pretty easy way for that to happen. Yeah. Like, maybe if he was on a beach and someone gave him some, like, amnesia pills and he kind of forgot about how he's a murderer and he had a blooderita with him, then he'd be like, hey, I feel pretty. Fantastic right now. <laughs> Could he have just had like a like a nice bowl of spaghetti? That would do it for me. Yeah. I really like spaghetti. I know, that's how I get you to have sex. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Can I eat my spaghetti while we do it? <laughs> it's the sloppiest sex. You just hold your bowl of spaghetti. I just need one moment of true happiness, Daisy. <laughs> It's the noodles. My mom listens to this podcast. <laughs> now everyone knows about our lady and the tramp sex. Wait, I'm not sharing the spaghetti with you. <laughs> I remember one time I tried to grab the other than the noodle and you're like, no. But I think the point we're beating around here is that like he could have sex with like a prostitute or just some woman. That he's not in love with. And it wouldn't have had this effect. Right. But because there was like this intimacy level to it. Right. Then he did have a moment. Of actual, like, true happiness. So Buffy's like, well, then curse him again. And Jenny's like, no, I what? No, I, I can't. We don't do that anymore. I don't buy what she says because she says those magics are long lost. I'm like, your whole people, your whole life is devoted to ensuring that he's continually tortured. I don't buy that they just, like, lost the magic. Yeah, also there's an elder woman that, like, senses things about Angel. Does she not know the magic? Yeah, like, your people seem pretty in tune with this magic stuff to this day. But she does say that maybe her creepy uncle can do it. But Angel's already on his way to creepy uncle. He goes to his hotel and kills him. I clapped. Fuck that guy. <laughs> you did clap. But you brought up a good point. Yeah, how does he get into this dude's house? I guess we don't know that it's a hotel. It definitely feels like a hotel. I don't know. Can they just walk into hotel rooms? I feel like they can't. Maybe they can't. Yeah, Actually, I mean, if they got invited in by the front desk person, they're in the hotel. And if they know the room. Yeah. This actually, I think, is answered in the show Angel, but I don't remember the answer. If you're a vampire or if you work at a hotel where vampires come, yeah. 
Well, not come because they don't come. But right. if you work at a hotel where vampires enter. Buffy and Giles also go to the hotel after Angel's left. And they find the dead body. And he's written a message on the wall that says, like, was it good for you too? Is that for Buffy? I assume so. It's kind of mean and passive aggressive. But Buffy decides she's got to <laughs> kill Angel. It's kind of mean for this demon from hell. I mean, you already, like, told her the sex wasn't good. You already called her a verge. I mean, come on, man. This is why I don't really get it. Because he made it sound like the sex was bad. So mm-hmm. this message implies it was good? Yeah, he's really just mixed messages, this demon. Anyway, Buffy's like, I gotta kill this guy. The judge is ready. He's- Fully charged. <laughs> he's like, I'm ready to go. Angel's ready to take him out. And they're gonna leave Spike at home because Spike is still in a wheelchair. Do they address this? They just leave him like <laughs> like in a closet. They kind of make fun of him that he's got to stay home. Angel tells the judge that he looks spiffy and the judge is like, spiffy? He's just so unthreatening. I'm sorry. <laughs> But he's blue, baby. I thought it was going to be a big deal. It's not. (laughs) I remember watching it and I was like, oh man, he's like a big scary dude. But that's just because everyone keeps saying he is. He doesn't actually act or seem like he's scary. Xander has a plan. And it is to sneak around a military base pretending Cordelia is a prostitute so that he can steal a bazooka. Remember the Halloween episode when Xander got turned into a soldier? Apparently he still remembers everything about that and like knows the layout of this military base. I kind of have some issues with this part. I don't like this part that much because what should make sense is that he sneaks in remembers a code to like a door and like remembers people's like patrol routines and can get around it but instead a soldier finds him and he's essentially like your uniform's not regulation come on let me show my girlfriend around or i'll tell someone that you're not patrolling very well for one the guy's patrolling fine he caught you immediately it would just make sense if you had more information to give this guy like he mentions a squad he's with that's not there so like his memories are actually less helpful but that door is not locked you pointed that out No, they just opened it. The door opened like it was a screen door on a cottage. There's missile launchers in there. They probably locked that door. They're looking at all the the guns inside the cottage and Cordelia's (laughs) like... Do guns really make girls want to have sex? Xander's like, yeah, I don't know. And she's like, do they make you want to have sex? He's like, I'm a 16-year-old boy. Linoleum makes me want to have sex. He's 17. Does he say 17? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm wrong. I don't think guns make women want to have sex, though. Do they? Are you a woman? Do guns make you want to have sex? No. In fact, in the Save Yourselves movie, they have a whole conversation about guns. And it made me realize I don't like them. I never really thought about it. I don't dislike guns. If I lived in Sunnydale, I would own a gun for sure. I don't have a gun. My dad was a hunter. He has guns and I was never really worried about them being in the house. But I feel like I would feel less safe if we had a gun just because we don't really have any dangerous threats here in our apartment. Right. But if you were in a situation where you were getting threatened quite a bit, I guess maybe my feelings would be different. So no, guns don't make me want to have sex. Spaghetti, on the other hand... Oz was the getaway driver for this whole operation because he has a van, which I think they needed to fit the bazooka. It doesn't really make sense. You could have fit that in the back of a car. Yeah, I was thinking that after we watched it. I was like, wait, what? They could have fit that in a car. Yeah. Willow and Oz are waiting and Willow asks Oz if he would like to make out with her. And he absolutely would like that. He says he fantasizes about that all the time. But he knows that she only wants to do it right now to make Xander jealous. So he's like, I'll wait. But it was sweet. Yes, it was sweet. Xander shows the weapon to Buffy and asks if she wants him to teach her how to use it. She's like, yes. And I'm like, why doesn't Xander just do it? 
That yeah. seems like Buffy's not. She's very strong, but she's not like a weapons expert. Not missile weapons. No, like Xander already knows how to use this because of his memories. And actually, it's like have him fire it, and Buffy, you protect him because you're way better at that than he is. Yeah, and you like owe him from that time you emasculated him by the vending machine. <laughs> yeah, let him have this. Let Larry see him do this. Like they only had like two minutes to learn. Like Xander, I don't know. I kind of wanted him to have that. Well, it's not called Xander the Judge Slayer. Is it? <laughs> no. Buffy and Giles are going over the plan. Jenny comes in and asks if she can help, and Buffy's like, get out. And Jenny's like, well, I just want to help. Giles is like, she said, get out. <gasps> oh, yeah. The double get out and the cold shoulder from Giles? Hell yeah, dude. So then they go to Spike's house. <laughs> just so we're clear, it's it's a factory. <laughs> we don't actually think Spike has this huge house. They think the judge might be there. He's not. But Spike is hiding and he's listening, which doesn't really matter in this episode, but maybe it will later. Oz tells them we should go to the mall. That's where people are. The judge shows up at the mall. He's just so not scary. He's big, I guess. And yeah, he does just like burn the shit out of this Ben Stein looking guy. But like, who was that guy? He walked right up to him. I just want to point out that no one seems to notice no. a giant, like, seven-foot blue dude walking in, surrounded by people that are dressed like stagehands. Like, nobody thinks this is weird. No one is afraid at all. No one noticed the dude bursting into flames. They're just still going to stores. And then he kind of, like, lightnings everyone. Like, it almost connects everyone. This doesn't really seem to do much. And when he turns it off, they just all go back to normal. I bet if he had kneeled down, it would have really destroyed them. Yeah. <laughs> Buffy shoots him with an arrow. That's what stops the lightning. She's standing up on top of the popcorn machine. And he reminds her that no weapon forged can kill him. And she's like, yeah, well, you haven't met this weapon because it's made just after you were born. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's what she said. That's what she meant. I don't know why she didn't fire it immediately. I guess maybe she didn't have time, but. She's always got to say something. Yeah. But he's like, what's that do? That is awesome, though. That, this scene, this, like, three seconds of Buffy is awesome. And she bazookas him, and he explodes everywhere. They gotta pick up the pieces to make sure he doesn't get reassembled. This is kind of funny. Oz is just, like, arm. Running out an arm, yeah. It's raining inside now because of the bazooka. The sprinklers went off. Angel's real mean again. He's like, I bet you want to kill me, you slut. <laughs> and then she she doesn't. They fight. But he's like, you can't kill me, can you? And she kicks him in the balls and says, give me time and walks away. And I'm like, no, just put your emotions aside. Why wouldn't we kill him? He's going to do bad things. Yeah, you're just like letting him go. Even if you don't have it in your heart to kill him, he's going to like eat people in the meantime. Yeah, even if he leaves town. He's going to kill people. Giles drives her home and he's like, yeah, Angel's probably going to like be pissed at you the most because you made him feel human. So the next couple months are going to be rough. And I know you got midterms. (laughs) And she's like, you must be so disappointed in me. And he's like, no, I know I was weird about you having sex, but it's because I'm basically your dad now. But you shouldn't feel bad. I'm here to support you. Oh, geez. Another great scene. And then Father Figure by George Michael plays. (laughs) That does not happen. No, but it could have. It was nice. That was nice. Buffy and her mom are watching an old movie. Joyce brings out some cupcakes, so she didn't have time to make a cake, but she probably just forgot it was Buffy's birthday. (laughs) Yeah, she's so checked out so much. She asked her how her birthday was. Buffy says she got older, and her mom's like, oh, you look the same to me, even though this morning I could tell you got sexed last night. Did you say sexed? Yeah. Okay. And she's like, blow out your candle, and Buffy's like, let it burn. She didn't say it like that, though. She said, just let it burn. And then she curls up and cries on her mom. 
Buffy, just tell your mom. Also, you guys should move. Angel is invited in and he wants to kill you. Yeah, like, Buffy, you need to tell your mom now because Angel's going to come murder your mom bad. Yeah. Um, Brian, do you think this was a good episode? I do. I think it was a great episode. This episode, we get to have several emotional scenes. Uh, we have character development. Oh, that moment when Giles is like, she told you to get out. Oof. That moment when Giles was like, you've got nothing but support from me. Oof. Giles, you made me want spaghetti, baby. <laughs> oh, you're like a gun. Uh, I agree. I, you I mean think... to Giles now? Uh, no, not romantically. Okay. But I do like him as a character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's one of the better characters, I think. He's interesting. He's got depth. Yeah, I agree. They paid off everything from the first half, but they also like set up a lot of things that they didn't tie up Mm -hmm. that I'm interested to see where it goes. Like what's going to happen with Angel? Yeah. What's going to happen with Spike? What's going to happen with the judge? I feel like he's not gone forever since we have his pieces, probably. He is gone forever. I don't believe anything you say anymore. He's with Jesse now, honey. Jesse in the plays of lies? No, he's legitimately not going to be in the show again. What about the actor that plays him? (laughs) I mean, that's a good question because he seems to keep popping up. The Willow Xander Cordelia love triangle still very up in the air. Mm-hmm. Are Jenny and Giles going to get back together? Well, all good questions. But I'm very glad that Uncle is dead. Yeah. Anything more to say? No. Great episode, and I'm so excited now that the villain of the show has been revealed. Angel? Is it Angel? Why did you say that? I mean, is that not clear? Of the whole show? This episode's like a metaphor for a young woman who has sex with a boyfriend and he's super sweet until they have sex and then he suddenly sort of turns mean. Wait, Angel's the villain of the show? Well, at least of this season, yeah. You said of the show. And this season. But what about Spike? Well, Spike's also the villain of the season. Is Angel going to be good again? Well, um, Borat's dead, so. <sighs> Jenny will curse him. You think? Yeah. We'll see. And now for a special segment we like to call Meanwhile on Charmed. Charmed was another popular WB show airing around the same time that neither of us has ever seen. But we're going to discuss it anyway. Based only on its IMDb summaries, which are usually poorly written, by the way. Stacy, what happened on Charmed? Meanwhile on Charmed Season 2, Episode 14, Pardon My Past. Phoebe is faced with the dark past of her previous life when it comes back to haunt her. Well, that's very open-ended. I mean, I'm going to assume her past life, she was in a pyramid scheme. Yeah, that seems right. She probably was like a mid-level pyramid schemer. Yeah, like she she definitely sold enough that she was doing pretty well, but she was like taking advantage of so many people below her. Yeah, like she was one of those people that would like go to Starbucks and like sit there with like a friend of a friend and like like pitch them on this whole thing and talk about how they know a guy who's got a Ferrari now or they know a woman that's got like a really nice house now. When do you think this was? A Starbucks was not probably invented in like the 50s. Okay, this is the first one. It was called Starbuck. Okay. And that's, it was like a prototype and that's sure. where she was, she would do it there. This is a very recent past life. Yeah. I mean, she died of a heart attack suddenly. Okay, good. What do you think she sold? Wigs. Oh, okay. You seem sure. Yeah. It was a, a time of wigs. Mm-hmm. It was just like, uh, there There was a um, a gas spill, an oil, a, a, to- a chemical situation. Wow. And it caused there men. There was a gas spill chemical situation. Yeah, it was big and it caused a lot of trouble for the town this this gas like gasoline yeah right (laughs) but back in the 50s gasoline was way more toxic yeah and it burned everyone's hair yeah right off their head Mm -hmm. so wigs were in high demand so and she got in like the ground floor of this but ended up being mid-level yeah (laughs) 
this pyramid scheme. <laughs> she wasn't very motivated. No, she'd barely go to Starbucks. She'd go once a week. But she, you know, kind of got to everyone with wigs. Yeah. And then, like, the people below her in the pyramid, the, the, nobody else needed wigs. So right. then these people just had to buy all these wigs and had no one to sell them to. Yeah, that's a dark past. And then she luckily died of a heart attack and got reincarnated as Phoebe. Right. But in the future, mm-hmm. these women are still alive and they remember her. Yeah. And they track her down using magic. In wigs. That seems right. I just want to point out that I used to work at a Panera Bread and I would see this a lot. The wigs? Pier- <laughs> The pyramid schemers that would sit there and you'd always hear him pitching it to somebody. And I always want to just stop by and be like, hey, this is bullshit. Don't don't buy into this. You're going to go broke and your garage is going to be filled with like some weird energy drink. But I never did. Also, a woman choked to death in the dining room. Okay. (laughs) Okay. This has been Meanwhile Uncharted. So then we watched Gilmore Girls. Brian, why don't you tell them what happened on It Should Have Been Lorelei? This episode's about Christopher coming to town, bringing his girlfriend, and his girlfriend trying to develop a relationship with Rory. Yeah. So the episode opens, they're walking through town, they walk into Luke's, and it's that weird lull where there's nobody there. They're like, we're going to play bagel hockey, which I guess is what, they kick around a bagel? No, they were going to sit on opposite ends of the counter and like push it up and down the counter. Yeah, I didn't mean kick around, I meant like knock around, like with a fork or something. I don't know that this is anything they've actually ever done. I want to know how this game is played. I think they just, uh... I need to know. We're making a joke. Luke's phone rings, and it's for Rory, and it's actually Lane staring through a telescope. Of course, she could have called Lorelai's cell phone, but she probably still has it in her room from the previous episode. Lane's grounded because of the previous episode's antics, I think. Yeah. She's only got like five minutes of phone time every day. Yeah, she's allowed to call the Psalms hotline where they read (laughs) Psalms to you, I guess. But it's the same Psalm every day. Yeah, they're not updating it. But she just is like, I need some juicy gossip, which is like, you could also just read a book, Um, but I get it, sure. Lane's mom is, like, being a psychopath. She's, like, not letting her even go to school because she lied about a boy. It's it's pretty overkill, I feel like. The next scene is at the Lorelai residence. They're watching some fat women on TV. They mention they're fat a lot. Yeah. Weird. I feel like that wouldn't happen in a show now. But then Paris just unexpectedly, with no announcement, shows up. They have a debate the next day. They're on a team together. And Paris is worried that Rory doesn't speak enough words per minute. I'm already pissed. I hate Paris, but this scene is nonsensical to the nth degree. Paris does not live in this city. No. So Paris just drove to Rory's house without calling her and just sort of walks in like, we're going to do this thing all night? Like, I don't know or care if you have plans? To be fair, Rory didn't have plans. She didn't even want to watch the Fat Lady show. Yeah, but Paris didn't know that. You're right. We need to talk about Paris for a second before we go any farther in this episode. Stacey was pointing out to me that if we watch a sitcom, like Family Matters or How I Met Your Mother, they have characters in them that just are not real. Like Like Urkel. Urkel or Barney. Characters that in real life, if anyone behaves that way, everyone would shun them. They just would not hang out with them. Urkel would not be allowed back into the Winslow's house after like his third Did I Do That. But because it's like a sitcom, we're sort of suspending our disbelief and allowing these characters to be there. Because there's a laugh track. None of about this is real. None of it's real. This show's kind of in a place where it's half drama, half comedy. So it kind of makes sense that they have characters like Paris. But it also stands out as a little weird since sometimes these people are real people. Yeah, for the most part, Gilmore plays it real with some exaggerated characters, but not Urkel-esque characters, with the exception of Paris. Part of me is like, I just need to get over it. That's who she is. That's part of the show. But like, she just drives me nuts every time I see her. She's really rude to Lorelai in this scene, too. Yeah. 
Like, why are you friends with her? But also, like, she has no sense of boundaries and demands so much of Rory. So does Lane. Everyone demands the world of Rory in this episode. Okay, my brand is over. I cannot stand Paris, even as, like, a funny character. Christopher calls and mentions that he's on business nearby. And she's like, oh, if you're still in town, you should come by this Friday and come to see your daughter debate. And he's like, I'll be there, which used to mean Christopher might not show up. But now with new Christopher means he's going to show. What he doesn't mention is that he's bringing somebody. Throughout this whole episode, Lane is finding ways to get a hold of Rory by like calling a payphone and stuff and getting her to do things for her. Like she's got this CD that's going to drop because she's an audiophile. She's got to have a day one. It's a CD. You can wait a couple days. It's it's so much to ask her to do this for her. Yeah, Rory's like, I don't really have time. But Lane's like, but I'm trapped here. Make time. It's like, okay. You didn't even tell me you were a cheerleader, but okay, sure. I'll run this errand for you. That Friday at the debate, Paris and Rory are killing it. On the other team, because he transferred to another school, is that kid that used to be on their Shakespeare team. Brad. Brad, is that his name? Mm-hmm. I'm never going to remember his name. No. Uh, Brad, Brad, Brad. It's going to be gone. don't know if we see him again. We might. I hope so. He was funny. All the comments about him were funny. Uh, he's just like so like, I'm up against Paris. Uh, uh, he's just uh. like melting in his chair. <laughs> yeah. Just like covered in sweat. I loved it. That was very funny. Also covered in wool. He would have been hot anyway. Yeah. It's funny when they announce the children debate team, Suki and Lorelai, like, cheer like they're a sporting <laughs> event. A lot of funny lines here. And I will say this, okay? I was shitting on Paris a second ago, and I stand by that. She's unpleasant to watch a lot of the time. Paris is complaining that having milk can make it so you can't make as many words per minute. And she finds out that Rory had some cereal that morning. And when Lorelai walks past the room, Paris is like, did you give her the cereal? That <laughs> <laughs> was also very funny. Even though I hate Paris. But Christopher shows up with... His girlfriend, Sherry. Hot Sherry, as I call her. Oh, okay. I hadn't called her that yet, but good to know. It's what you call her in your brain. Uh, after, after you went to the bathroom, I just called her Hot, hot Sherry. Sugi <laughs> and Lorelai are both trying to, like, sneak a peek because she's sitting behind them. Lorelai very not subtly drops a tissue to pick up. And this is a surprise. Obviously, he did not mention that he was bringing somebody. And could have. And should have. So there's an awkward meeting after the debate. I liked when they introduced Suki and they said she's like the greatest chef after so-and-so. And the whole time she's like freaking out about who the greatest chef is. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. She's like, and who said that? They decide they're going to go back to Lorelai's house. Paris wants to go over the tapes from the debate immediately. And Rory's like, no, I kind of have to hang out with my family. She's like, you don't want to celebrate with me? Like, no, she, you spent the whole day yesterday together. We talked about this a bit, but like, I think Rory maybe has a respect for Paris because they are like the smartest, most motivated people at this school, it seems. Right. So for Rory, it's maybe like a keep your enemies close situation. And I think that Paris is just like very jealous of Rory. Yeah. Because in so many ways, Rory's her equal or better than her at like school and writing and, you know, whatever they do. But Rory also has a lot of things Paris doesn't have. Paris has a really bad home life. Yeah. Paris has a hard time with boys. Rory has a very hot boyfriend and is like best friends with her mom. I get that angle. I don't get why Rory obliges her so much. Like, she's not drawing a line in the sand and being like, well, I'm spending time with my family. Like, you know, she's just always like acquiescing to whatever Paris wants, no matter how ludicrous the demand. Yeah, they need to do something to soften Paris. And I'm sure they will. And you listeners out there, I'm sure, are like, Brian, we love Paris. Stop shitting on her so much. She's so funny. I'm sorry. It's just to a new person watching it, she's grading on me. Back in the house, Lorelai's like, I'm going to grab drinks for us from the kitchen. And hot Sherry is like, well, I want to go with you. She's like, oh, I don't need your help. She's like, I want to go with you. 
sweeter than that, though, you know. It's, it's intense. In the kitchen, she has this very upfront, very candid conversation with Lorelai. <laughs> she's like, listen, I really want to be close to your daughter. It's important to Christopher. I really want to. We don't have to be friends. And in fact, I would prefer we didn't. She doesn't say that. No, but she definitely gives, like, Lorelai an out. Yeah, I kind of feel like she needed to say, maybe we will be friends. And if that's going to happen, that's fantastic. But I just want you to know there's no pressure to be. But it seems very much like we're not going to be friends. I think it's very nice that she wants to be friends with Rory. I think she's pushing it too fast. She's very pushy, too, because she's like, I know you have Friday night dinner, but like Chris said, you can like maybe get her out of that if it's something important and you need to know that this is important. It's like, oh, okay, wow. Yeah, she's like begging her for Rory. And I think it's fine that she wants to hang out with her, but she hasn't hung out with her and Christopher yet. Like, this is her first time meeting Rory. Yeah. Like, have Rory over for, you know what? Did Rory not go for Christmas? That's a good question. I imagine she didn't. But I don't know why she wouldn't. But yeah, she would have met Sherry then. Yeah. I, I guess she either didn't go or Sherry wasn't there or the writers forgot about that. <laughs> the writers just totally forgot that happened. Anyway. Yeah, I feel like she needs to like spend a weekend with her dad and Sherry. Yeah. But- I wouldn't feel comfortable just like hanging out with this woman that's not my mom or my stepmom or they haven't been together that long, really. So Lorelai concocts a plan where she calls the phone from the kitchen to, like, warn Rory about this. Yeah, but classic Rory, someone's asked her to do something, and she's like, yeah, I'll do it. And then she tells her to, like, tell Leonard they gotta go. We'll call him later because they have company. And then when Christopher leaves, he's like, see you, Leonard. Yeah, yeah, he knows. He knows what's up. But Lorelai's like, well, Christopher can come fill in at Friday night dinner for Rory. My parents love Christopher. Before they leave for a Friday night dinner, Lorelai's like, Christopher, you didn't tell me she was coming. What's up with that? Yeah, and he's like, well, I did mean not to tell you totally a lie yeah he's like did i not mention it that's you definitely would have mentioned you were bringing your girlfriend yeah because like she was definitely with him on the business trip and also christopher's thoughtful enough that he would have understood that it was going to be uncomfortable i agree so he definitely was lying about this but then christopher is like well you didn't even tell me you were engaged to max until you drunk dialed me at your bachelorette party he totally has a point here though yeah i feel like he absolutely has the right to know that a man is moving in with his daughter yeah hundred percent. Like, maybe should meet him. Yeah, I feel like he should get the opportunity at least to meet him. I mean, since they're on good terms. Yeah. I mean, Lorelai's like the main parent here. Mm -hmm. I feel like she has ultimate say, but like, he's not like out of her life. Especially because he's trying to be part of her life now. Mm Mm-hmm. At Friday night dinner, Emily is not excited. She is very upset. They're a little excited to see Christopher. but At first, yeah. But also like, where's Rory? You didn't tell us? And Lorelai, you should have told. You should have known. You should have told him. Yeah, there's so much in this episode like that, right? Like, why did you not call ahead? You could have made up a reason she needed to miss. Yeah. That isn't the real reason. But then Christopher just ends up telling her the reason and says it was his idea. But I was just, yeah, Christopher, I wouldn't have done that if I were you. Yeah, Emily, once she finds out that there's a new woman, is very upset. Richard is totally fine with it. Yeah, he makes them four Manhattan so fast. So fast. <laughs> you can't make drinks as fast as they got handed to them. I hope they all say Manhattans because that's what I made. He's very impressed with Christopher's Volvo. Lorelai says it's great for cranking Metallica, which Richard thinks is a drug reference. That was funny. And then Richard's talking about like... Hot Sherry. He like winks. He's like, oh, she sounds attractive. Winks. And then <laughs> Lorelai like calls him out on it by winking back and he seems like he's totally confused. 
Emily's talking about mold and how Christopher and Sherry shouldn't buy a place because it might have mold. She just doesn't want Christopher to be with Sherry. But they shouldn't get a new place because it's shoddy. And they shouldn't get a not too old, not too new place because there's probably bears there. I'm just so upset. I'm going to go be mad in the kitchen. Where's my basket of bread? She goes and like takes a shot in the kitchen. So much emotion is revealed in the kitchen. I love kitchen fights. (laughs) (laughs) Kitchen fights. There's so many kitchen fights. Emily is super upset because she always in the back of her mind thought that Christopher and Lorelai would get together at some point. Christopher didn't have his life together and now that he's finally gotten it together it's for Sherry. She is upset that Lorelai like kept him at arm's length. Yeah. You could have been the one to change him but now that's not going to happen. Some other woman is going to have him and steal Rory away from Emily. Yeah. She takes this Rory being off with Sherry as like Rory being out of the picture already which is a bit dramatic but also it is weird that she kidnapped Rory already. Yeah, I'm torn. It did seem like they're only in town every so often, but like she could have come to visit a different weekend or something. You hit the nail on the head when you said it's weird that they didn't have time together, Christopher, Sherry, and Rory. That that should have happened. Yeah, I would want that buffer yeah. if I were Rory. Yeah. So the next morning at Luke's, Lorelai walks in. Luke can tell she's sad and offers to let her play bagel hockey and he'll play with her. It's nice. Rory comes in and she asks Rory what Sherry's like. And turns out Sherry's got all kinds of life plans, like goals for her career. She has been in a long-term relationship and she's only dating guys that she think could be the one. She wants to have kids like soon, it seems, Mm -hmm. two specifically. And then Lorelai asks Rory, like, what do you think about me and your dad? Like, do you ever like wish or fantasize that we get together and we live happily ever after? And Rory's like, yeah, I mean, I think any kid of split household does that. Yeah. And I feel like Rory really does want that badly, actually, which she's said in the past. But she seems pretty open, like, this is okay, though. Yeah. Like, yeah, I've had that thought, but like, it's all about us being happy. And Rory previously has been like a cheerleader for her dad finding happiness, even if it's not with her mother. She definitely doesn't badmouth Cherry. Yeah, not at all. But Rory's got to go. It's CD drop time. And there's a complicated thing where Kirk stops Miss Kim to discuss when he may purchase something, what times are available. That was so funny because he's like, excuse me, Miss Kim, I'm Kirk. And she's like, I've known you since you were two. (laughs) And meanwhile, a mysterious, very sweaty jogger runs by and drops the CD in Lane's purse. And it turns out it's Michelle, totally out of breath. This was a fun use of Michelle. I guess we didn't go to the inn in this episode. He's upset because Lorelai forgot to tell him that the time changed. I wondered why the time changing was even in the episode. And okay, yeah, it's for this joke. So he's just been running for an hour. I kind of don't buy that Michelle would help with this. Yeah, why? Maybe she's getting paid. I guess he was going to be exercising anyway, maybe? Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't feel like he would have done it. I also don't feel like Michelle lives in Stars Hollow. I just feel like I never see him at, like, town functions. So in my head, he lives in a different city. No, he's always running during the functions, honey. Sherry and Chris come to the diner to say goodbye. Rory's not there. She's still doing the CD thing. Sherry's like, I want to see that portrait of Rory at your parents' house. Could you send me a picture of that? Like, what? what? You're obsessed with Rory. You want a picture of a portrait? Yeah, what? And then for one moment... The boom just sort of lowers into the shots. <laughs> love that. I love catching it. It didn't want us to forget about it. But then there's this like nice heartfelt moment where Lorelai just says to Christopher, like, you know, for the longest time in the back of my head, I thought there was a chance we were going to get together once your life was put back together. And I think because of that, I've just sabotaged every relationship I've ever had. Like the one with Max Medina, just all of them. And now I know that you're with somebody I can just let go of that and I can be free again. Which in the moment I was like, what the fuck? fuck are you saying right now? 
And Chris doesn't take it very well, um, as I would imagine no human should. He was like, how dare you put all that on me? That every relationship is ruined because of me? Like, yeah. How could you do that? Like, I'm glad you feel good now, but like, you can't blame me for the last 15 years of your life. And he storms out of there. I am team Christopher on this fight. Oh? Just this, on this fight? Yeah, just on this fight. Okay. Just on this fight. Other fights, um, I'm maybe on team Lorelai, but this fight, I'm on team Christopher. What about team Luke? Never. Luke kind of is like listening, though, and gives Laura like a quick glance and pretends he didn't hear. I mean, everyone in the shop hears. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Everyone does that. But like, how would you? I mean, that's crazy. First off, it's like he proposed to you not that long ago. Yeah. This whole thing, like, well, you got to get your life together. Like, I agree his life wasn't together. So there is that. But to just be like, well, it could have been me. It's, it's so much. There's so, been a lot of episodes where you can see how Emily's gotten into Lorelai's head. And this was one. Like she basically says what Emily said. Yeah, that's true. And in this episode... It's a good catch. It was like exactly what Emily said. Yeah. In the last episode, she was like, ew, I hate what Emily said and said the opposite as far as her advice about Rory trusting Jess. Right. But that's definitely happened other times too, where... Lorelai's speech at the end is clearly affected by what her mother yelled at her in the kitchen. Or like her, the, her wedding when she's like, oh, I used to try on the dress every night. Yeah, exactly. Her mom, I think, was a big part of her dumping Max. Or apparently it was Christopher uh, in the back of her mind. I, I just, it, that, that's such a, there's no reason to tell Christopher that, even if it's true. Yeah, that's you something know? you tell Suki. Right, but it's just like, what does this do for Christopher? What does Christopher get from this? And I don't know that the show wants us to feel bad for Lorelai. No, no, no. I don't think it's bad writing. That's not my point at all. I'm just, I should be clear about that. This is very well written because it's like you said, Emily kind of got in her head. Although I think that this may be how she has felt, even if Emily's the one that exposed this. Yeah. And I do feel like Lorelai sometimes doesn't really think through everything she's about to say when it deals with her own emotions, especially when it comes to Christopher. Not bad writing at all. I think any human can make this sort of big mistake and she reveals you know what she thinks is this revealing moment of self-truth but it's like well yeah it should be self-truth and not <laughs> shared truth no so i actually loved this scene uh i don't hate lorelei even though she's the one who is definitely wrong in this fight i, I like the scene a lot i feel like lorelei is actually really good at like helping people and giving people advice yes but not good at figuring out her own life yeah i think i said that in the last podcast where she's like she is very in- smart emotionally intelligent unless her own emotions are involved mm-hmm so do you think this is a good episode, Stace? Yeah, I do. I didn't really remember what would happen in this one, and I was pleasantly surprised. It had a kitchen fight. Kitchen fight. I generally like when Christopher shows up. That always stirs up some old emotions. Mm-hmm. The Paris and Lane stuff was like, whatever. I thought the, the whole maneuver with getting Lane the CD was funny mm-hmm. in the long run. But yeah, it was well written. It was fun. It was good. It wasn't bad. I agree. It was a good one. So which episode do you think was better? I'm going to go with Buffy. I think Buffy was a better episode. I think it was a good Gilmore, but I think this Buffy was like real good. It really distilled like what the show's about and all the relationships. Yeah. That was like barely in any way a bad Buffy. I don't, there really weren't a ton of actual flaws with it. I don't, Gilmore Girls wasn't very flawed, but like not every aspect of it was mwah. Well, I feel like Buffy was a chef's kiss episode. Yeah. So I am also going Buffy, if that was not clear. It was. Yes, it was. Um, I do think it's interesting. You mentioned that Judge was like not scary at all, but like the show was kind of just like, yeah, he was here just to let you know that Angel's bad. (laughs) He's done. Yeah. Yeah. That was weird. I mean, he served his purpose, the narrative purpose. He was the MacGuffin, really. Yeah. If you want to watch along next week, we'll be watching Gilmore Girls Season 2, Episode 15, Lost and Found. As well as Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 2, Episode 15, 
phases. In the meantime, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the episodes we discussed in this podcast. Like, how do vampires get into hotels? Do vampires ejaculate? That's really all we need to know. I want to see the science, guys. What do you think about assisted suicide? We didn't even talk about that. That's what Roy's debate was about. <laughs> what are your thoughts on Paris? Am I alone in this? Do I need to just let it go? Let us know. You can reach out by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok, at Gilmore Slayer, where we post all kinds of interactive and behind-the-scenes content. And for comedy content not related to the podcast, follow us at Brian and Stacy. That's Brian with a Y, Stacy with an E-Y. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, also called Brian and Stacy. Or you can send us an email at brianandstacyreviews at gmail.com. If you like what you're hearing, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you do, we'll give you a shout-out here on our podcast. Or different podcast places that have stars. But as far as I know, it's just Apple. Just don't name all the stars the same name, because there'll be so much confusion. All right, Brian, should we go have dinner? Dinner. Brian. What? Can we eat the cat for dinner? Yes. Bye.